lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. That's right. It's Wednesday already because we were off on Monday. Happy Wednesday. Greetings to all of you. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. That over there is Aaron McIntyre. And we are the program you are tuning into right now. Who are you? We would like to know. Email us and tell us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for me over on MeWe, Parlor and Gab. And if you're looking for clips of the program, uh, you need to be looking for rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. By the way, yesterday's interview with Ryan Cole, the the decorated MD pathologist from Idaho, uh, Mayo Clinic decorated, by the way, served as a fellow there, I think, for five years as a research fellow at Mayo. Is that good? Does that mean you might be good at your job? Pretty good. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on what Fauci says. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, but he has personally studied as a pathologist over 100,000 COVID infections and or vaccinations. And what he had to say yesterday, I don't think it's hyperbole, folks. I, I, I think that's an interview that could possibly save your life. Or the life of someone you love. So that interview is performing well. We set it aside by itself. It's performing well. Brutal honesty, though, it needs to perform. Given the importance of that information, it needs to perform a lot better. And Aaron, I, I don't even think we're even monetizing that Rumble channel yet, are we? Oh, no. So this is just, this isn't even like a, hey, we're going to get paid, you know, from Google AdSense or something for clicks. Um, this is, we won't even get that. This is just nothing other that wasn't an interview, folks. I mean, that was a public service. So if you missed that yesterday, I got tons of requests for giving it its own separate slug. We did that on our Rumble page yesterday. We can't put it up on YouTube. Now we got two strikes. Uh, we put up anything at this point that doesn't say anything other than Heil uh, Fauci, we're going to get banned, basically. So um, it's going to be up on Rumble. And, and we're fine with getting banned, uh, on YouTube, we're all getting banned. It's just a matter of when and not if. But there's other issues we speak to as well beyond COVID that are not as algorithm sensitive at the moment. And so we're constantly trying to figure out, is this important enough that it risks other issues that we could speak to what is still the largest online community like on the planet on YouTube? So that's that's our battle. You don't have to worry about that, but that's not why it's up on YouTube, but it is up on Rumble, unedited. You definitely want to share it with everybody that you know because everybody that you know has been impacted by COVID and or is being currently impacted by the vaccines, whether to take them or because they did. All right. So again, rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. I also have some other uh, excellent news for you. Now, I think this flavor was only out temporarily. But this is again, man, we got to pay attention when they come out with these specialty flavors. The the banana nut bread flavor. Again, a built bar just uh, just crushes it. I mean, they they nailed it's really a chocolate covered banana nut bread. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. All of their flavors are fantastic. We would just debate and weigh and measure which ones are more fantastic than the others. It is the the best protein bar you have ever had. It tastes better 
than even several of the candy bars you've tried, and it's nutritious, more nutritious than all of them. I can promise you that. Uh, less than even the more the most decadent flavor they have is chocolate chip cookie dough. It's 180 calories. That's it. It's eight grams of sugar. That's it. It's seven net carbs. That's it. That's the most decadent flavor they have. Most of their flavors are 130 calories or less. Five net grams of sugar, carbs, or less. All of them covered in real chocolate. If you want to give them a shot or you want to try it again or you want to stack, you want to stack them up, because that's what we do. We had an entire shelf in our fridge at home that is not even just the built bars they give me, but ones I've ordered. I ordered the banana, banana nut bread myself, for example. Uh, here's what you want to do. They got a brand new URL to make it even simpler. Just built. B-U-I-L-T, built.com. Use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, built.com, promo code DACE to get 15% off at built.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, it's a Wednesday, so you know what that means. Uh, We will be joined later in the program by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will be here. Also, we will play our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. If you're a subscriber in the overtime today, uh, our, our one token Democrat friend, uh, Paul Alexander will be joining us, uh, former strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard presidential campaign, because he's a native New Yorker, and they had their mayoral election last night. Well, I, I know it was just the Democratic primary, but it was the mayoral election. Well, a funny thing happened in this election. You know the old saying, if you go woke, you go broke, right? Yes. So Andrew Yang walks in, didn't agree with like a lot of what he said. I found myself agreeing, like really agree with him like three times really vehemently disagreeing him like the other seven times, but like liking him though personally like all 10 times. Make yes. sense? Yeah. Yes. Seems a smart, thoughtful guy. Doesn't, you know, seem to go out of his way to hate people. Um, and he's, of course, a, a quintessential American, American success story. Comes in, so he's minority, well-funded, highest name ID in the race. You got 12% last night. That's it, 12. And I think it's because he took that common sense sort of every I can I'm the American success story I can work with people who disagree with me bring people together common sense solutions I think he wrecked that by stuff like um, uh, uh, saying Israel has a right to defend herself and then getting crushed on Twitter by the woke brigade and then going full Palestinian like right after see I, I think he hurt himself with that because the person who ended up winning it is like a gun carrier who was promising to like reinforce the police or something Right, and he was apparently winning non-white parts of the yes. city as well. Yeah, so uh, our buddy Paul kind of gave us a heads up that this might happen just a couple days ago. So he should like maybe consider a job like in politics or something, because apparently he's really good at like reading trends and and analyzing how things might turn out. And he he maybe should have gotten paid at some point in his life to do this for a living. Uh, well, he called this. He gave us a heads up about this about three days ago that he thought this was going to happen and go down just like this. And uh, he'd love to come on and discuss in the overtime because he thinks for an audience like ours, it has it says a lot where if this is even going on in New York City, what's kind of maybe trending nationwide. Right. Yeah. So we will have that conversation later today with our buddy Paul Alexander in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go if you are already a Blaze TV subscriber. We're going to record it for you. People always ask me, hey, why can't I watch it live on the feed? Because there's other shows that come on live after us. 
right? And so we don't have a we don't have a dedicated feed for just like a 15 minute show. So we record this mini bonus episode for you right after this program. It gets uploaded then, and you can watch it when it finishes uploading. At uh, which these days we frankly have no idea when that upload finishes. Man, it's Russian roulette. Is that, are we playing uploading or Russian roulette these days with yes. that? Yeah, thank you. I, I, I mean, I know I'm getting the emails. I know you're frustrated. I promise you. We're not making any money by not giving you guys this product, all right? Not putting the content up slowly doesn't get us paid more. Is that true? Is that that's kind of how it works around here, right? Yeah. People need to get the content for us to be paid for doing said content, right? Yeah. So the upload speed, um, you you couldn't possibly be more frustrated about this than me, and or Aaron, who is sick of me texting him about it at seven o'clock at night, right? Okay, so blazetv.com slash dace. Whenever it uploads, your guess is frankly as good as ours. At blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription. If you're not already a subscriber, uh, just go there, get a discounted subscription. So you get all the exclusive content we do away from big tech censorship at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, with all that regular order now taken care of, we begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Delta Scariant. The panic porn stars are trying to do this again. Similar to the situation in the UK, the Delta variant is currently the greatest threat in the US to our attempt to eliminate COVID-19. And here's Dr. Michael Osterholm. In the areas where they have large pockets of unvaccinated people, we can surely expect to see surges in cases, in some situations challenging the healthcare capacity of that local area. The World Health Organization yesterday quietly revised its guidance on who should get the vaccine. Previously, the WHO, as we told you yesterday, had stated in no uncertain terms, children should not get the vaccine and that it wasn't recommended for youth under the age of 18. Now it simply says it's less urgent to vaccinate children and adolescents. In Houston, over 150 staff at the Houston Methodist Hospital System have either been fired or have resigned for refusing to take the COVID vaccine. Houston Methodist is one of the largest employers in Houston with over 25,000 employees. After 15 months, the state of Michigan has finally gotten rid of its mask mandate. Back to the Loudoun County, Virginia school board who felt so threatened by a large group of enraged parents speaking out against critical race theory. Disgusting by your bigotry and your depravity. That they decided to end their school board meeting and the public comment time early. So the crowd started singing the national anthem. So the school board called the cops. You guys don't read this, this, is a, this is an unlawful arrest. I have a First Amendment right. Multiple arrests were made for trespassing. Meanwhile, in Florida, Governor DeSantis announced yesterday he's signing a bill requiring high school students to learn about the evils of communism and totalitarian ideologies. Uh, we have uh, a number of people in, in Florida, particularly southern Florida, who've escaped Uh, totalitarian regimes who've escaped communist dictatorships um, to be able to come to America. Uh, We want all students to understand the difference. Why would somebody flee uh, across 
shark-infested water, say, leaving from Cuba to come to southern Florida. It's important that students understand that. In New Jersey, this parent gave us two minutes of catharsis when addressing his school district's hiring of a communist. I'm going to I am quote to you, Make your comment, I'm but do not just do a name do not calling talk over like you me. just did. This is my comment, not your comment. I'm quoting to you now from the United States Supreme Court 1964 case, New York Times versus Sullivan. This is constitutional case law in this country. And I'm quoting you from the U.S. Supreme Court. The, just, the judges wrote that this nation is founded on the, quote, profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues shall be uninhibited, robust, and wide open, and that it may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials. That's constitutional case law in this nation. I don't have to be nice to you. Nobody behind me has to be nice to you. If you don't like living in the United States of America, then you can all move to Russia, Cuba, or China. This is the First Amendment. And I will, I will, caution, you, I will caution you, solicitor. There is a video camera to my left. If you edit this tape, then you're going to have a big legal problem on your hands because my right to critique your fascism, which is what this is, is constitutionally protected. There are emails, public record emails, in which the Director of Equity is lobbying and advocating for public comment to be censored in this school district. And you know what? You know what? Lobbying for it, advocating for it. We've got the school board president saying she'll do better at hitting the moot button in blatant violation of the Constitution for her lobbying and her advocacy of unconstitutional censorship. I want you, the school board, to terminate the employment of Dr. Charissa Gibson with immediate effect. terminated her employment, I want all of you to tender your resignations for hating on this country. We have a God-given constitutional right to critique you, and we can speak in any lawful tone that we see fit. And don't go looking around, Benito. Because this is the United States of America. In other news, according to Fox News, crime surges are being felt across the country. In Portland, Oregon, for instance, homicides are up 533%. In Philadelphia, homicides are up 37%. And in Atlanta, Georgia, homicides are up 58% year over year. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms blames the increase in crime on reopening the state too soon. In Georgia, we were open up before the rest of the country, even before the CDC said that it was safe for us to open. Uh, so our nightclubs and our bars remain open. We had people traveling here from across the country to party in our city. Here's what the White House had to say about the spike in violent crime in America's Democrat-run cities. Well, first, I think if you look at a number of cities across the country, it is actually driven by gun violence. And finally, going back to Georgia, an Atlanta-area branch of the Scandinavian furniture store IKEA is coming under fire after their attempt to celebrate Juneteenth. A company-wide email was sent out explaining how the in-house restaurant would be curating a special menu on Juneteenth to, quote, honor the perseverance of black Americans and acknowledge the progress yet to be made. The menu in question ended up consisting of watermelon and fried chicken. You can't make this stuff up. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Um, so let's do a live rate. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Okay. Um,
Which one? Uh, let's let's talk about Omega XL and dealing with inflammation because there are some inflamed people, and I dig that about you uh, in that montage. Uh, chances are, if you're dealing with pain of the chronic variety, not uh, uh, you wrecked yourself like Todd did to his poor back last week. All right, by what was it? You stood up or something, and that, that happens at this age to us now. I, I sneezed. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, but if it's a chronic thing, uh, and that's that. Uh, soreness and achiness, stiffness in the joints, uh, back, knees, neck, shoulders that won't go away. Chances are that cause is inflammation. You want an anti-inflammatory that's all natural that will attack that inflammation causing your pain before it becomes something more serious. And that's why I want to recommend to you the one I use. That's Omega XL that is backed by 35 years of clinical research. It attacks the inflammation that is attacking you. And if you want to go back on the attack, um, they're going to offer you buy one, get one free today if you go to omegaxl.com slash steve that's omegaxl.com slash steve buy a bottle they'll throw the second one in for you for free or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888 800-844-4888 that last item about ikea's woke juneteenth celebration it's reminiscent of our our new colleague jason whitlock's column about george floyd yesterday did you guys read this yeah it, um, I mean, I, I texted him after. I'm like, I have very high standards for you. So, like, I'm sure everything you're going to write for us is going to be really good. But if, if ever, every time you write something for us, I texted you and I thought it was good, I'd be, like, texting you every time. And that's clearly, like, a dude code violation, right? So yes. I can't do that. So this has to be, like, really good, okay? This one is really good. Because what he points out is that you can clearly draw a line between making the claim that George Floyd was was treated unfairly, should not have lost his life in that moment, to canonizing him, beatifying him. And he's and, and Whitlock makes the claim that they do this because he's the perfect caricature that that this satanic culture, those are his words by the way, that this satanic culture wants to caricature black men as. A drug addict, violent, a, you know, a boozer. It's it, that's the caricature, and so uh, and so a lot. So that he basically Whitlock's argument is the spirit of the age is loves canonizing George Floyd because it helps at the same time to perpetuate the stereotype uh, that, that they want to uh, perpetuate uh, the mythology of who black males are. Okay, it, it, it's just it, it's just every black guy you've ever encountered is a caricature of of, of whatever last or whatever cool trending gangster rap uh, or hip hop act is going on right now, right? It's not a mailman. It's not your dad. It's not a basketball coach, not your neighbor, not a construction worker, not a professor, not a soldier, okay? It's a guy with, you know, gold-plated teeth and a Flavor Flav uh, necklace and, you know... Um, uh, he's, he, he comes out of a, you know, a bouncing hoopty and, uh, when he walks out of the door to get, uh, uh, to breathe, uh, to, to breathe some air or to shoot somebody, plumes of marijuana smoke follow him as a chemtrail, right? I mean, that, that was essentially Whitlock's argument and Correct. Floyd checks like almost all of those boxes. And so of course the, the, the power structure is adamant about making him the, some, some, he is the symbolic uh, you know, uh, I, idol to be worshipped uh, for for Black America to bow down to as some form from a messianic character because he fits all of the spirit of the age of stereotypes of Black America. Didn't IKEA just 
do the exact same thing? At least this yeah. Ikea that yep. you, that's in your video, isn't that ex the exact um, spirit, spirit that Whitlock just wrote about yesterday with Floyd? It is, but I gather it's probably entirely accidentally. I mean, my goodness, did, had anybody at Ikea heard of Juneteenth until like two days ago? And like, let's put something together. But that's, that I think furthers the point. Let's put something together. And so where would we go for information? Yeah. Okay. Right. No, no absolutely. I mean, I, I would go to, I don't know, um, uh, you know, I, I, I would go to these enclaves that have the, that perpetuate these stereotypes and right. myths. That's where right. I would go. Yes. I'm not, I'm not connected in any other way. And that's what the culture throws out yes. there. That's what the centers of power throw. Black people are so dumb. Couldn't get an, couldn't, can't get a photo ID. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's a, it's I a mean, vicious... where else would it, uh, the president of the United States himself says, I mean, they're so dumb. I mean, they, they can't get online. I mean, they're not to get the internet, you know, it's a, it's a vicious okay? cycle. They do this paying alums saying, please don't burn us down. And yes. it pisses them off. And then, okay, now we're really going to burn you down. And we just keep going round and right. round and round. Right. The rest of this montage, though, I want to tell you, it's the most encouraging montage we have had on this program, maybe since Aaron started doing this, certainly since the dawn of COVID, Stan, because there's a word that I think you could use to characterize much of it, whether it's the, it's the medical professionals in Houston who refuse to comply whether it's what went on in Loudoun County, Virginia, with the parents who refused to comply, whether it's the parent in New Jersey urging a refusal to comply. Whether it's Ron DeSantis saying, you know what, getting rid of critical racist theory, that's a good thing. But something's got to fill that vacuum, right? You guys will just come up with some new crazy right. thing that'll just be repackaged. We just had Benny Johnson at the, at the Daily Caller break that story about our home state of Iowa yes. just as we were getting off the air yesterday, right? Because we were the first state to just outright ban this and now they're already they're already figuring out ways they can re because the the devil has to be cast out, okay? That's what has to happen, right? And um DeSantis is like, you know, we're going to fill that vacuum. We're going to just uh, we're going to we're not just going to defensively say you cannot do this. We are going to offensively step to you by offering the alternative to what we will now do instead. If there is a word, and it is very appropriate for this time of year, we are mere days away from celebrating the independence of this country. If there is a word that I think gloriously, enthusiastically, jubilantly sums up much of the spirit of Aaron's montage, it is defiance. We are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. And our history has shown, including from the dawn of the history of this country, that at times it will require acts of defiance in order to exercise and exert your will. You're having conversations with your kids after they get home from school, and you have been. You were pre-COVID. You were for years. You were losing your kids to the, to the worldview of indoctrination and the spirit of the age at the schools more than any previous generation of Americans. Why? Because we didn't do to these school boards and these educrats for the last 10 to 20 years 
what we've started to do here in the last 10 weeks or so when it comes to COVID and masks and CRTV. That's why. That's why. Power is. One of the greatest observations about the political system ever actually once came from Lyndon Baines Johnson when he was on the toilet. Power is where power goes. Power is where power goes. Power is where power goes. God comes to the Israelites and says, this land over the, over the, over the ridge here, filled with milk and honey, it's yours. But then there's, what's the next line? Did he give them the land? Did he give them the land? Yeah. Did he say to them, does the land then belong to them? Yeah. But then he says, but you must go and claim it. You must go and claim it. Meaning if my daughter's going to, my youngest daughter's going to turn 16 here in a couple of weeks. If we decide to buy her a car for her birthday, if we buy her the vehicle, is it hers? We, we gifted it to her, right? Yes. But if she never takes the keys, puts them in the ignition, puts it in gear and pulls it out of the driveway and takes possession of it, is it truly hers? Better yet, is it fully hers? See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Was it was, am I empowered as her father to give this to her? Sure. Yes. Did I give it to her? Yes. Yes. But does it fully belong to her if she does not take the, therefore take possession of it offensively? No. No. Their heavenly father handed them the land. Was it theirs? Was it his to give? Yes. Yes. Was it therefore theirs to own? Yes. Yes. But did they fully possess it until they went there and did what it t- took to claim it? No. No. Is the Constitution still there? Yes. Does the, is the Declaration of Independence still there? Yes. Do those words still give control ultimately to we the people of what goes on in this country? Absolutely. Do we the people still ultimately have all of the power in this country, including the power to be armed if dra- dramatically situations call for that? Yes. Yes. Is that all still there? Yes. But if we stay in our basements when they tell us we have to. If we don't ever go to a school board meeting and wonder, what, what, what is my kid being taught that they came home and just began with, with challenging, suddenly out of nowhere, everything they've ever been raised with here at home? Right? Right. Did we claim it? Did we take possession of it? See, there's this notion going on that we've lost a bunch of power. No, we haven't. We've given it away. Those are two totally different things. If I never buy Zoe the car, she has nothing to take possession of, right? So in that case, she is powerless from an agency standpoint when it comes to being a vehicle owner, right? right? Unless she's able to purchase it herself at a ripe young age of 16, she has no agency from an automobile ownership perspective, right? Right. Okay. Is that what happened here? No. That founding document, all of them, they're all still there. Many of us elected to stay in our homes with our gun racks and email shows like this, wondering when the governor of Illinois or Michigan might one day allow me to leave, right? Yes. Yeah. No, nothing's been taken from us. The way our system of government is set up, we we cannot lose. We can only not win. Meaning they cannot take it away. We can only give it away. We can only not lay claim to it. We can only not take possession of it. When I'm beginning to see 
And this is when, this is how, whether it's I needed to lose 100 plus pounds, this is whether it's I, I, I'm, I, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm tired of being an addict, whether it's I, I, I've got to better my situation in life, whether it's I want to be a free person, whatever it is. Real change and real power isn't exchanged until we make up our minds that the cost of continuing to live this way is worse than the cost of what it will take to change what's happening. There will be suffering either way. You know, in the New Testament, Paul says, you will be a bondservant to something. You'll be a bondservant to the world because you're not God. You're not God. So you're going, to be a, you're going to be tethered, tied to something. You'll be tied to the evils of this fallen world or you'll be tethered or tied to the re- redemption through God's one and only son. But everyone will be tethered or bonded to something. No one's truly fully autonomous. There's one truly fully autonomous in all of creation, God. No one else. Everyone else will be tethered or tied to something. Likewise, we will all, we're going to suffer. We will suffer the indignities of the cost of the things that we do and the decisions we make and the things about our lives that we don't like, or we will suffer the indignities and the cost of what it will take to change those things. But we will suffer nevertheless. When I'm starting to feel, and I feel like I want to put it down because it, because it's starting to it's it's starting to feel a little like optimism, but I'm starting to see random pockets of people. Or that's how when you, how do you know when is a movement going on? When is it starting? When random pockets of people who are really not otherwise directly connected start acting affirmatively and accordingly in the same direction. I'm beginning to sense it smells a lot like napalm in the morning. Like defiance. That's the cologne perfume we need to be wearing in these times. What's your, that smells good. What is it? It's defiance. That's what it is. Defiance. One last thing I want to say about the defiance that is needed. If you are a a Christian or you're just a law enforcement officer that takes your oath of office seriously when it where the constitution is concerned, you need to understand that that spirit of defiance applies to you too. Amen. That that oath of office, when you swear an oath of office to faithfully uphold and defend the Constitution of the U.S. or your state, it is the people who formed the Constitution, not the Constitution who formed the people. That means you are stating. That's another way of stating that people are the highest authority other than God that I will obey as their public servant in this country or this community. If you are one of those cops in Loudoun County of Virginia last night, you violated your oath of office and you should be ashamed 
And if you're a Christian who then did so, double shame. If you call yourself a Christian and you are one of those cops that arrested that Canadian pastor last week, I believe you need to repent. I saw that uh, there's a pastor, it showed up in my Twitter feed, a pastor in Phoenix. I didn't get a chance to click on what his answer was, but I'm guessing he's only taking the question because he's only going to answer it one way. And the question was, um, or maybe it was Scottsdale, someplace in Arizona. And the question was, I'm a Christian cop and I'm increasingly being called to uh, enforce the law against people for the practice of their Christianity and I'm not comfortable with it, what should I do? Um, f- the same thing you would do if you weren't a cop, which is work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And whom should you fear? Not the one who can uh, cast the, to destroy the body, but the one who can st- destroy the body and then cast your eternal soul into hell. Fear him. Fear him. When Jesus comes upon Saul on the road to Damascus, on his way to persecute, perhaps have more Christians killed. He does not say to Saul, why are you persecuting these people or even my people? He says, why are you persecuting me? They are of my flesh, my blood. They are in union with me. So vis-a-vis, you're not their enemy. He's, here's what he's saying to Saul. Hey, bro, you think you're just bullying some people of lower community and social standing. Oh no, you're crossing swords with me. I'm the only one that has the keys to life and death. Is that a fight you want to pick? That's who you're really picking on, me. If you are arresting pastors for holding church, that's who you're picking on too. That's who you're picking a fight with, too. Might want to look again at the chain of command flowchart around here. There has never been a singular, tyrannical king or government in human history. Why? Because humans aren't omnipresent. We can't be in more than one place at once. Therefore, it requires layers of infrastructure, whether you are Ivan the Terrible or Benito on the New Jersey school board. It requires layers of infrastructure for you to put your boot, either literally or proverbially, to someone's throat comprehensively. You can do it in one singular instance, but you can't do it over everything that you claim to govern, meaning that others have to do your bidding, like in Loudoun County. Those cops had to show up and do the bidding of that tyrannical school board. It always requires stormtroopers. There's never an empire without stormtroopers. Ever. And if you are, I like what Kurt Schlichter over at Town Hall had to say earlier today. He said, hey man, I'm, I'm one of the last few friends you cops have in the country at this point. And you're on your last nerve. If you're now going to go from Every time we enforce the law, we're racists to then doing the very tyrannical bidding of the people making that claim against you. I'm defending you against people like that. If you're going to do their bidding, you lost me. Okay. 
Everything really comes down to this question. Who's really in charge down here? Who's the, who's, what's the chain of command here? In our country, it has traditionally been God and then the people. The power flows vertically from heaven to the people. God-given rights. I will honor this oath, so help me God. Just as a couple of practical examples of how we've demonstrated that. It is when we have defied that theorem, when we have cast that chain of command aside, that we have committed all of the worst and most embarrassing evils and atrocities in our nation's history. And just because it doesn't look right, or meaning that it doesn't look like it's looked in the past, we're not throwing uh, anybody with an Asian-looking face into an internment camp. They might have been a Chinese immigrant trying to escape the Japanese uh, conquest of their country, but they look Asian, so they're in an internment camp. Or uh, because they're black, they're property. Uh, whatever they, just because it doesn't look the way that it's looked in other eras, this is all the same methodology that's always been used. It's just being used on different people this time and for different reasons. So don't give any government institution any benefit of the doubt in this era, it doesn't deserve it. None of them do. And if you belong to any of those institutions, whether it's the police or the state legislature or the White House, and you like us to give you the benefit of the doubt again, earn it. Earn it. When my children violate sacred commands of the home, do I cease loving them? No. But have they lost the benefit of the doubt from me? For a while, at least. Yeah, until they do what? Repent yeah, and earn restore. it back. Yes, yeah, earn it back. I can think of an of, of one way you can earn it back. Maybe some cops could show the balls of some medical workers in Houston, Texas, who said, "You know what? It's because we took a Hippocratic oath that we're not here uh, to forcibly inject other people, let alone ourselves, with an experimental substance that, frankly, we don't have long-term data about its long-term ramifications with." Because as Dr. Ryan Cole told us yesterday, these mRNA te- this mRNA technology has never been used successfully against any other pathogen in history. So this is the this is the trial right now. This is the human trial right now. I don't think it's too much to ask you guys who passed boot camp, police academy. Is it too much to ask for the guys who can actually do the full Murph workout on Memorial Day and do the pull-ups and chin-ups? Could you maybe have the balls? of, you know, a couple uh, uh, physician's assistants and nurses at a Houston hospital, maybe? Is that too much to ask? I don't think that it is. And so if you want that benefit of the doubt restored from us, back the blue, all that good stuff, earn it. Take off the stormtrooper helmet. Become public servants. Protect and defend us! Us. That brings us to buy, sell, or hold. One of our more popular 
segments each and every week. Brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. You know, we've been warning you about home title theft for a while now. This is where thieves use uh, information, private information from you to log on to where your home's uh, title is kept, uh, claim to be you, and then sell your home to them uh, via a quick claim deed. And then often you don't find out until all that equity is gone or worse. Well, Facebook has one of the largest uh, data mines in all of the world, and they just had a 500 million account breach with personal information exposed to cyber thieves who now make it easier for them to identify as you, to come after your home. Don't let that happen to you, which is why our friends at Home Title Lock are offering 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach right now when you use the code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. That's the code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. 30 free days of protection with the code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to it. Aaron, with some help from you in the audience, has for you and me, Todd, a series of statements and predictions, what have you list. We'll find out. Uh, No subject is off limits. We will buy or sell each proposition. We will be permitted one hold per episode. But... If we use it for any reason other than, wow, is that just dumb? Uh, You will be forced to stand outdoors on the hottest day of the summer and read critical racist theory training manuals aloud in public. Fair? Uh, Well, it's fair, but I will not be holding today. (laughs) All right. Aaron, go ahead. We'll begin with a Mount Rushmore. This is from actually top five, sorry, Uh, from Bob. Top five tearjerker movie scenes for men. Now, let's, let's back up. Is it ever appropriate for a man to shed a tear during a motion picture? I, I, I can only answer by admitting at the end of Toy Story 3, man, I was a slobbering wreck. Okay. It's appropriate. All right. I've been known to shed a tear or two. Okay. Number five, Private Ryan uh, D-Day scene. Cell. Cell. I, I mean, I stood in awe at yeah, that. That's not a... I, I do not put that in tearjerker category. I agree. But... Amazement. Yes. Stunned. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, planes, trains, and automobiles. Neil goes back to the train station for Dell. Bye. That's a moving scene. That is a moving scene. It qualifies as a, like, I didn't shed a tear, but I found it to be incredibly well done. I think it belongs in tearjerker category. That's what it's trying to achieve. I I know it's trying to achieve, and as much as I love that film and just watched it with my family uh, last holiday season, I'm going to sell. No. Number three, Gladiator, Maximus goes home and dies. I could see that one. Plus, it's like one of my top 10 all-time favorite films. So almost any reverential reference to this movie I'm going to buy. Okay. Number two, Gran Torino, Walt sacrifices himself. That's that's a pretty good one. It it, it is? Okay. Because it's just... Okay, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't put it on the list, but I'm okay with it being there, so I'll buy it. It was a good scene. I've only seen it once. I don't remember shedding a tear, and since I can be compelled to do so, I'll sell. My number one's not the my obvious number one's not going to be on this list. We'll, I can tell already. Well, I'll ask this question if I remember uh, tomorrow on on three questions. I'll, I'll have you do your your Mount Rushmore of tear jerking movie scenes for men. Number one, he has uh, Shawshank Redemption, Red, and uh, Andy reunite on the beach. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm again. That's a that's a film that any positive or reverential reference to. I'm okay. That whole minute montage of showing red uh leaving his place breaking parole 
you know, get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. And he says, yeah. uh, he's on the bus. He says, I'm, uh, I find myself, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't even sit still. I think it's the kind of excitement only a free man can feel. I mean, it just, it's every note. I don't know if off the cuff I could come up with three. Although I have certainly shed a tear more than three times in a movie. The two that I can instantly think of, like I just said, with Toy Story 3, the end of it. And actually, if it's a Mount Rushmore, I'd come up with four, right? Yeah, so I'll ask that tomorrow. All right. I mean, number one is obvious. It should be anyway. Passion. Okay. Now that's no, on the... That's a, I forgot about that yeah, one. How did I forget goodness. about that? But yeah, okay. Um, ship. Ship out of danger. Don't grieve, Admiral. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. See, I gotta, I've got a chill going down right now again. Okay. Remind me what that's from. <laughs> Please. I really don't know. That's Spock's death scene in Star Trek oh, II, The yeah, Wrath of Khan, man. Yeah. I mean, I just, I know it's coming every time. Every time it breaks me. And then when do when Scotty busts out the bagpipes and plays Amazing Grace at the end. Mm-hmm. Every freaking time, man, that breaks me. So, yeah. Even right now, I got like a chill just thinking about it. That's like an all-time great scene. All right? All-time great scene. Great question. Yeah. Uh, next one, we'll go to 79 Model Chris. There is no better imagery of the Pride agenda than the celebration of Carl Nassib's coming out and as an unprecedented first for the NFL. And just so happens to represent Las Vegas, a.k.a. America's Sin City. <laughs> <laughs> that's good and how about it was what 48 hours after uh cole beasley came out and said i don't care what draconian because they want to make the unvaccinated players like they are essentially going to treat them like uh they're going to jim crow them. you have to drive to games and everything else is mm-hmm. what they're trying to do okay what does it tell you about your union by the way that they're not immediately standing up and saying you can't do that to the players no, that's not a good union that's probably not a, not good, a union. good union that's probably a it's maybe a lot of things. A union wouldn't be one of them. Uh, but uh, it's 48 hours after Cole Beasley just got shunned by saying, I, I've, you know, basically I don't trust it. I've done my research and I'm healthy. I'm at no risk and I'm at far greater risk from what I can tell from adverse effects to the vaccine than the virus itself. So, no, I'm, I'm not getting it. Uh, better imagery, sell. It, this isn't nearly decadent enough. I mean, this is so boring. Like, like this, what, some guy I've never heard. Have you heard of this guy? I have. He's an okay player. He's not well, like a okay. pro bowl or anything. Exactly. This, but this no, is no, 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 no. Yeah. He's an okay player. He is. So, yeah. that's what, so now he, he's tired of being a no-name okay player and decided to gay it up to get whatever he thinks he's going to get from this. Apparently, people, you know, because there's people also want to talk about the fact he identifies as being a Republican. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now everybody's trying to. Yeah. All right. Make a claim on what Just a great thing this is. Me. At this point, if you are a sports league and you want to truly show that you are on the cutting edge yes. of the counterculture, has Bruce Jenner named him and claimed him yet? What, what you need is you need a male player to come out on Sports Center and say, "I just got to tell you right now, I'm 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 only banging my female wife right now, really, even on roadies, really, just." Just banging my wife. That's all I'm doing right now. Now that, that would be cutting edge. What he said. I think that's it for this segment. For this segment, yes. Uh, we will have uh, plenty more by Southern Hold to come in the next hour. 
Uh, also, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us as well as we continue on with our number two here on Blaze TV, media, radio, podcast, everything uh, next. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know who you are and what you think about what we think. Email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. I'm already getting several folks backing me up on the death of Spock in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which is the greatest non Star Wars-related sci-fi film in the history of American cinema, by the way. That movie is just perfection. The musical score, all of it. Directed by Nicholas Meyer, University of Iowa graduate, Aaron, by the way. Interesting. Okay. It's also the very first film ever to include a full scene of CGI in the history of Hollywood. The scene where they break down what the Genesis device does, that's the first scene of CGI ever. It also had a very famous... Uh, plot leak and spoiler, like what goes on on the internet every day nowadays, you know? Uh, this was rarely done in the early 80s. It happened in the movie, and so they had to change things around in order to respond. They even had to change the title to the film because it was it was originally called The Vengeance of Khan, and then George Lucas, when they re-released uh, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, they re-released uh, The Empire Strikes Back the summer before, re- or two summers before Return of the Jedi came out. They were going to include a teaser trailer for Return of the Jedi. And you can actually find this poster somewhere in some place. It's considered a collector's item, like the Billy Ripken F-Face baseball card was a collector yeah. item, you know? Um, the, the original poster was, or maybe it was just actually a re-release of Star Wars, not Empire, but in the corner it says includes a, a special preview of the a final chapter of the Star Wars trilogy, Revenge of the Jedi. And that was the original name of the film. And then Lucas had second thoughts and thought, Jedis don't seek revenge. And so Star Trek II changed the name of the movie so that they wouldn't get in the way of Star Wars to The Wrath of Khan, which is actually a cooler title. And then Lucas ended up not using Revenge of Khan. Anyway, I, at this point, especially because I'm sitting here doing this show in an Atari shirt, which is what I was probably spending a lot of time playing during this time in history, you're wondering. So Virgin, uh, yeah, um, uh, that's way too much minutiae. Correct? A little bit. Yeah. But you steered into it, so the dude called you. Yeah, yes, and I do I do have three children, just to clarify that. Um, but uh, yes, I am a fountain of useless information. And for all of you backing me up in my in- inbox right now, live long and prosper. All right. Uh, so Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can uh, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And again, if you're looking for clips of the program, especially yesterday's potential life-saving interview, and that's not even hyperbole, with Dr. Ryan Cole, uh, expert award-winning pathologist, uh, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you are a podcast listener, uh, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a five-star review if you haven't done those things already. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, oh, and thank you to all of you. Many of you have done those things for us uh, before, so thank you. We want to say uh, we are very grateful for that. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be here. Uh, before we continue on with Buy, Seller, Hold, though, I want to tell you about Bambi because it could save you some money. When you're running a business, particularly a small business, human resources issues can kill you. 
whether it's wrongful termination suits, uh, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. And I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but human resource managers, not cheap. Average salary is about 70K a year. That's why you want to look at this service. It's called Bambi, Bam and B, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bam and B. Uh, Bambi was created specifically for small businesses like yours. You get a dedicated HR manager that will help you craft your HR policy, maintain compliance, and it's all for just $99 a month. That's it. All right. Uh, and when we when we say dedicated, uh, available by phone, email, real-time chat, anytime you're needed, uh, they'll help from onboarding determinations. They will customize the policy uh, that fits what's going on with the procedures of your company. And again, it's all for just $99 a month, and it's also month to month. So if it doesn't work out, or maybe you grow, your business explodes six months into this, and you're thinking, you know what, we can do this full-time in-house because we've got, we're adding, uh, you know, 50, 100 employees. Whatever the case, th- this is custom customized for you. So it's month to month. At any point, you need to walk away or you get to walk away because maybe you're not running such a small business any longer. You can do that. Bambi is about serving you. All right. Now, if you want to get a free HR audit today, go to Bambi.com slash Steve. Again, BAM and B, put those two words together. BAMB.com slash Steve. Get your free HR audit today at BAMB.com slash Steve. Aaron, let's continue on. We'll go next to M.D. Shipley, who says the best route for Ted Cruz to become president is to run for Texas governor. Sell. Here's why I'm hesitating to answer this question. Because I I don't ever want to be disingenuous or dishonest with you guys, okay? And I just literally three days ago had a two-plus-hour private conversation with this gentleman in his home where we spent not all of it, but a good portion of it discussing a, uh, this particular question and its challenges and et cetera. And of course, that was, I, he asked a level of question and I gave a level of answer that you give in a private setting amongst friends of bluntness that also goes along with what's, you know, set on the mile, stays on the mile, right? Okay. Yeah. So how do I answer this without, um, breaking any confidences. I think you did. You sold because that must be not what you said. So if yeah. it's different, you sell. You know what? Here, I just came up with something. Here's something I, I, because I don't think he has any interest in being governor. Um, but here's something that if he would have asked me, and he didn't, this is what my answer would have been. It will look like you're kind of copycatting DeSantis if you do that, right? I mean, if you run for governor win and then kind of do a bunch of DeSantis stuff, it kind of looks like you're copying DeSantis, doesn't it? It could, yeah. Yeah, you know? Um, I don't know that that benefits your overall political brand. Um, To me, I think what would be the biggest, assuming Trump does not run, which I'm not assuming, but assuming that's because otherwise these questions are irrelevant, okay? Um, or at least for the foreseeable future they are. Uh, To me, I think... You know what? I'll say this, because I've... 
I said this to Ted the other day, but it's also something I've said on the show before I said it to him. You guys have heard me say this before. I think the biggest challenge that Ted has running for president in a primary with with Ron DeSantis is their views are so very similar. They're actually pretty good friends. At some point, though, Ted's going to like give like a laundry list of things he would do as president, right? That that happens in these things, right? Yes. And at some point, Ron DeSantis, if he's any kind of a politician at all, and I know some of the people that are advising him, and so I know they're not dumb, uh, they're going to you know, probably decide to look at Ted during the, that, set, that primary debate and say, Senator, we love you, agree with almost pretty ver- verbatim everything you just said, which is why we already did all this stuff in Florida, right? That's a, that's a tough objection to overcome, I think. A guy that is can say, he's and, he, and this isn't even Iowa, and we think our governor overall has done a fantastic job, and our state is not a traditional red state. It's just been made that way in the last few years. But it's still not nearly the challenge that Florida is. Fair? Right. Texas is, no, any, Texas, no, right. Texas is a bigger state than Florida, but demographically it's not nearly the challenge right. that Florida is. Florida is the closest thing we have to the challenge of implementing an agenda like this on a national level because of the, de- the, the, the demographics there, the diversity there. And as I've pointed out before, you know, prior to this last election, I think the last 11 presidential elections, the average margin of victory in Florida was two and a half points. It's notoriously razor thin. I mean, Ron DeSantis won by like 40,000 votes in a state of 21, 21 million people. That's a, that's a nothing, Okay. So I think that's a tough objection to overcome. Hey, I, I can do this. I've already done it. And I did, I did it on a pretty big stage, you know? I, I, if, if, if I'm Ted, I actually need to show I can bend Washington to my will. Right? Because we don't know that Ron DeSantis can bend Washington to his will. Do we know that? No. 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 We've got a pretty good proto- um, model to look at to project that the odds are favorable that he could at least do more than has been done in the past. Is that favorable? Yeah. But can we, do we have a, so we have a proof of concept, like you'd invest in that, right? But could you bet your house on that? No. No, you can bet your house on it. It's a pretty good bet. You might, you know, if, if you're a, a ham and egg or, you know, better, you, you'd bet a hundred bucks or 200 bucks on it. Would you like bet your paycheck or mortgage payment on it? No. No, because you have a proof of concept, but that's all that you have, right? Yeah. To me, I think what, what Ted probably needs to prove is that he can actually, because ultimately where is the job of president at? Washington. Washington. So I think he actually needs to show he can bend Washington to his will. That would be the one thing he could put on a resume that, that DeSantis has not shown. So I would argue if this, if this question, and it is, is from the direction of what's best for Ted to run for president, I would argue the lane of militant federalist, hyper-constitutional Harvard Law graduate governor pushing back aggressively on, on Washington, I think that lane's pretty much occupied by the bombastic and booming persona of Ron DeSantis, who's like Ted is a Harvard Law grad, right? Right. So to me, I think if I'm Ted, I got to find another lane. And the lane I think I need to find is, well, hey, I really appreciate, Ron, what you've done in Florida, but let me show you the scalps I've taken here in D.C. the last few years. And this is where the battle actually is. It's here in in District 1. You know, I'm taking on Pan Am on on the front lines. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's actually 
Ted's best path to president in the, in the immediate future is to show that he can take names. He can uh, take ass and kick names as what's her face said in the last. Mantis. Yeah. And Mantis said in the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I think he needs to show that in Washington. Agreed. Uh, it's going to be a tall task. He's been there a while. Washington is swampier now than it's ever been. So it's going to have to be head on a platter stuff for him to do that, which just goes to show how hard his task currently is, as we know the variables. Next up, Go Bucks says Nick Saban single-handedly created the four and the 12-team college football playoff expansion. <laughs> kind of got a point. Don't you? That's so snotty. Please tell me an Alabama fan sent that in. I have, I have so I much respect. Yeah. Ohio State fan. Okay. Um, but I don't believe he created the four-team playoff. I certainly believe he had a massive role in the 12-team playoff. Okay. Um, the the four-team playoff was done because public confidence had just been completely lost in the BCS. And in fact, one of the... One of the um, Tipping points was the year that Alabama and LSU played again. All right. Um, and so maybe you can then say that he had a role in yeah. it then maybe from that perspective. So, okay, you know what? The more I think this out, I'm going to buy this. I I, I I, think on some level, because I, I know for sure he played a role in expanding the 12-team playoff. So I, I, at, at the very least, you're right about that. So I'm going to, I'll buy it. I, I will sell because it took more. He, he was far more than known quantity. Uh, this has way more to do with the likes of uh, Dabo and um, oh, um, uh, now, at, now at Jacksonville. Former oh, Urban Meyer? Meyer? Now, how, how long had Saban been at Alabama when he Urban came Meyer came? He came in 07. Urban Meyer was still at Florida at that time. Yeah. Because remember, they were still had they mm-hmm. had Tebow versus Mark Ingram Heisman Trophy winner matchups mm-hmm. in the SEC championship game a couple of times. I think he went to Ohio State. I think his first year at Ohio State was twenty twelve. Okay. Was his first year. So it has more to do with Urban and then Dabo. Listen, it, we may have ultimately because of money and things that have nothing necessarily to do with the good of the game. Uh, and I'm fine with this playoff. Uh, we may have had it eventually, anyways. But we, we got it. Be- because the 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 four team playoff worked too well, it, and it it had it always had the best teams, but the best teams always proved to be the same teams over and over and over again. That Alabama was a known before that, and if Alabama had been in every single one of the four, but the other three teams were different. I think this would have more legs. Would it have more interest as long as it was legit? Because the, uh, that's a good point. The thing people were frustrated with is with the two team is that there's almost always a third team yep. that was really really good. But with the four team, we've ne- we've never spent a lot of time arguing about there's two teams vying for the fourth. We well, it could be TCU. It could be right out of the gate. It could be Baylor. But nobody. They both. This is know, a good analysis time. I'm 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 certain of this. We if if you had more random teams from year to year in the in this what we've had, we, I we may have got there eventually. But people were just like sick of really. And it's all it's really good football again. They deserve to be there. No one can argue with it. But people want more teams. So the first year we had the playoff, the number four seed won Ohio State. Yes. And there was a big controversy because of what they did to your Badgers. And then you had TCU and Baylor. That was Baylor. the closest thing. But yep. I but, don't even... but you bring up an inch, a great point because this is a sport that has traditionally been had dynasties. 
Okay, Miami, the U, Florida State finishing in the top four, 14 years in a row, Notre Dame post World War II under Leahy. And then again in the 60s and and 70s with Parsegan and then, you know, pre-World War II with Rockne, Fielding Yost and Fritz Chrysler at Michigan, uh, USC with Pete Carroll and with John McKay in the 70s. I mean, this has been Alabama, of course, with Bear Bryant and now Nick Saban. This has been a sport where the dynasties have kind of marked the test of time. But. It's played well having a singular empire that had to be toppled. And then every year, somebody else would rise up to try to be the team to, yeah. to, to take on the Death Star. And so there was diversity within who the alternative to, to that singular team was going to be. Yes. Meaning when Miami won all those national championships in the 80s and 90s, they beat Nebraska one year for it. They beat Penn State one yes. year for it. It wasn't just they were playing the same two or three teams doing the same dance every single year. So we've gone from dynasties to be toppled which have uh, which have kind of the best of both worlds in that you've got the known quantity brand that is the household name that that sells out and ha- and, and and has an equal amount of bandwagon jumpers and blowback so you're getting you're getting great reaction yes. one way or the other yes. whether I love them or hate them right and then there's the plucky upstart okay and that comes in to try to, t- to try to you know uh, walk that aisle as Rick Flair used to say and beat the man who beat the man right okay what we have now is an oligarchy. Yeah. And 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 we have a sport right now where some of the biggest names in the history of this sport, you know, Aaron, you and I were just talking about this off the air the other day, is just casually. Yeah. Some yep. of the biggest programs in the history of this sport, Michigan, Penn State, these are two of the five winningest programs mm-hmm. ever. Uh Texas. Yeah. Uh USC. These are again some of the biggest brands in yes. all of sport, not just this sport. They know right now. Right now. No shot. No shot. Like there's just no shot. There's they've no shot. Is it is it healthy for a for any sport to 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 no. go in and have the teams with its biggest brands know going in no. that they are already out yeah. of the running of this? And I before, don't. I would argue no. Uh, b- before they started, Ohio State had come back mm-hmm. to the pack. Uh, I mean, it wasn't it, really. It was it, it was far more competitive vis-a-vis all the other teams than it is now. Uh, generally, and Clemson, most Clemson I know has a a history. I mean, the year before Ohio our, State won the champion, the first playoff, they got upset by Michigan State in the Big yeah, Ten championship yeah. game just the year prior to that. Yeah, they were yeah. they were they were quality, but they were imminently beatable. Yep. And then Urban came along and turned them. Dabo Sweeney, turned, Clemson was just a a, a okay. Clemson, uh, um, ACC team for much of my I mean, my until about viewing... five years ago, Clemson was a verb, Clemsoning. Yeah. Which is to just crush your team, your fan base, and and not reach expectations. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much since they were a dominant team in the 80s, they had that was pretty much their MO yeah. for the 90s and 2000s and 2010s. That's only mm-hmm. recently changed. Yes. That is interesting because you didn't know, in the old days, you didn't know if it was going to be the team from your region that was going to be the, the one that was going to rise up and try to knock off the king. And so it was a national sport. Yes, it was. Right now, we have major, the number one, do you guys know, Aaron knows, I've told him, you know what the number one television market for college football is? It's Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, that makes sense. With all due respect to the great people of Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm sure you're fantastic. You cannot have a sport where Birmingham, Alabama is the number one television market for your sport. That, that just, that's not good, Okay. That, that, and I think that's why we're getting a 12-team playoff as they recognize this. Because we don't have a playoff now, I always say. We have an invitational. 
I mean, the year Alabama got in in 2017 without winning the division and without a single top 25 win. Now, I know they went on and won the title and they earned it. I would not take that mm-hmm. away from them, but, but they earned the title. They did not belong in. They had no resume other than a- other than were coached by Nick Saban. They had no resume to justify being in. And that's the problem at that level of an invitational. Okay, mm-hmm. so if a team that couldn't win its own, well, Steve, they earned it by winning it. I agree, they did. Okay, props, have your parade. But if a team with no top twenty-five wins who couldn't even win its own division, if it could win that playoff, then how many other teams that year, if they if it was open to them playing their way in, could have also done so? You see my point? I do. All right. And so now you're actually going to get to make. There's at least going to be some form of a regular season achievement that you'll take it out of the subjective hands of Branders. I'm sorry, the selection committee, and and be able to earn your way in and know that if I do these things, I'm in, no matter what anybody else does. That's a playoff, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have a playoff now. We have an invitational. So good question. Next up, we'll go to Mustang Vet, who says, if we continue down the ideological path we're on, the U.S. will divide into separate territories, independently governed within the next 10 years. Oh, boy. I, I think it's possible this is the most optimistic scenario. Um, I think it will be informal, but I think the effect will be the same. You know what? I'm feeling optimistic after all the defiance that I saw. So I'll buy. And it won't take a bunch of Ron DeSantis level governors. It, it would take, though, people that are better than most of your Republican governors now. Meaning not everybody has to be to the, to the level that he is at. OK, um, there were a lot of other great bands other than the Beatles. Does that mean they weren't great bands? This just meant they weren't as great as the Beatles or they weren't as great as Elvis. Was the Who great a great band? Yes, it was. Was Led Zeppelin a great band? Yes, it was. Okay, right? So you don't have to be to that level to still be great. Uh, we just don't have a lot of great governors now. But the way that he is shaming a lot of people's Republican governors and a lot of people like, hey, my guy needs to or my gal needs to be doing this stuff. You can sort of see that fulcrum is kind of moving, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll buy. Okay. I bought number uh, number uh, Craig Tripp says mask mandates in hospitals and uh, doctor's offices will be lifted before the 2022 elections Bye. I also believe the airline restriction will be lifted before it's scheduled evaluation in September too. just an added proposition. Bye. Jim Stalker says, uh, let's see, the same people who cry separation of church and state would be in favor of the state making it illegal for churches to choose who they give communion to. I'm, I'm condensing that for Jim. Yes. Yes, I would buy because it's really just about yes. uh, their church in charge of the state. That's really what it's about. Yes. Yes, this is the same point that our comedian friend Tim Young made yesterday about how uh, my my race and your race and everybody's race must p- impact everything, but you're the exact same person. You're telling me that male powerlifting dude being a dude, uh, it has no, no bearing on his success in mm-hmm. lifting for females. These are the same people. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Tim Young, by the way, will be on the days group here in a couple of weeks. Again, that'll oh, be good. fun. Uh, Aaron Reali says cancel culture would be nothing without its kissing cousin trauma culture. So trauma culture, everybody has supposed trauma over uh, being harmed by little things. Yeah, bye. I'll buy. 
my oldest daughter sent me a video where Disney put out and put in one of its shows. Uh, someone was micro microaggressed by their teacher or something on one of their shows, right? So that everything is traumatic, everything's a meltdown, um, and then and and so we don't take the things seriously that our creator says we should. We instead overemphasize the things the spirit mm-hmm. of the age says to. And I think a lot of us, frankly, are just struggling to process emotions and everything else. And I think that just adds to all yes. of this. Okay, so I would buy. Yeah. Next up, we'll go to Ben Chambers, who says June is Lindsey Graham's favorite month of the year. <laughs> <laughs> just set that right there. The little emoji, for those of you listening, the little emoji that Ben used. <laughs> Come on, man. Kind of, kind of uh, is the cherry on top there. I mean, it's is if you go to Lindsey Graham's Grinder account right now, there's like a video of him at the Blazing Saddles karaoke bar, belting out "Little Pride, the Name of Love" by U2, like he was back in JAG school in '81. I can't remember the last time I heard from Lindsey. And I would like to personally yeah. keep it that way. Yeah. I, that wasn't a complaint. I hope no, um, but it was no, nor a request. Oh, I, I, I remember. Okay, I remember. Uh, it was him uh, holding up just like uh, the, I don't think we can say this word, like the thing that he is, he was holding up the sign that said something about give more aid to Israel while standing next to Bibi Netanyahu. Remember that? I do remember weeks. that. That was actually Memorial Day weekend yeah. uh, when he yeah. did it. Yeah, he went to another country on Memorial Day weekend and said give them more money. Uh, even if it's Israel, I mean, could have done it maybe the next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're a little, we're kind of commemorating something over here. Um I got to buy that, man. Otherwise, my, my yep. show, my, my rep is ruined. I got to buy. Yep. Goes without saying. Next up, we'll go to Pink Stripe Socks. Uh, let's see. Who says, when DeSantis wins his reelection bid, top Republicans will start to publicly switch their allegiance from Trump to DeSantis. Sell. There, it's a symbiotic relationship. The reason why... Someone of Trump's questionable political origin. I want to make sure that modifier is is no, is noted, okay? Because we're we're talking about a guy that had been a force of nature in American culture for thirty years, okay? But his political origins are were of questionable integrity. Fair? Yeah. Okay. There's a reason why someone of Trump's political origins, questionable political origins, so quickly took control of this party. And it's because the irony of your statement, who was that that said this? Uh, I'd have to flip through all, I can't remember, sorry. Right, whoever you are, the irony of your statement is, is that if there, were a, if there were a crop of name Republicans who had the stones to do what you just said, you would not have ever had a Donald Trump to begin with, okay? Those guys are going to need Trump to either step aside or someone by themselves to step to him and take him down. They're never doing it until they know it's an all clear. They're never, ever doing it. That's why Trump owns them. He has, a, he has balls. They don't. I mean, that, 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 they don't have that in them. They're not, that's not going to happen. I don't even know that DeSantis has that in him. I don't believe that Ron would run head to head against Trump. I don't. So um, I will sell. I will, I will buy and it won't, it's Steve's right. It won't come from strength or anything like that. But of desperation, I could see. Now, it's not, I don't know what level of critical mass it might get to, but it'll be a desperate move by 
terrified people of going whatever going through whatever they think is going to happen uh if they have to deal with Trump on a daily basis. Well, see, I, here's here's the other reason I think you should here's you got me to reconsider my position. I'm going to try to get you to reconsider yours. Yeah. The kind of quote unquote Republican leader who would actually do this, Ron DeSantis doesn't want their support anyway. True. Yeah. Well, that's okay. True. And so, not- and so, if it's like Lindsey Graham, well, it won't be because Lindsey Graham thinks basically has way too much influence over Trump. But if it's if it's the kind of Republican leader who fits the mold of what you're mm-hmm. talking about, who starts starts to come out and and says we need Ron DeSantis to challenge Trump, that's where DeSantis is going himself to say I'm not running against Donald Trump. You know, I'll evaluate mm-hmm. my options when he decides. He meaning he's not he's not going to be Larry Hogan's Aaron Boy. No. Jeff Flake's Aaron Boy. Lisa Murkowski's Aaron Boy. That's not going to happen. And they would be the kind of people right now that would actually do something like that. Mm -hmm. Just my opinion. Listen, I think it comes down to a similar question. I remember we debated it. Uh, uh, Who who do you think Senate Republicans would prefer, Ted Cruz or Donald Trump? And uh, I remember coming down on, and I I think you weren't quite as far as me, but... uh, I think you ultimately agreed. I think that we back then we thought it was Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He seemed, you know, more more malleable. wasn't He wasn't going to be any sort of culture warrior like Ted Cruz. Not any constitutional expert. Uh, and but now, I think they, you know, the unknowns that come with Donald that they perceive come with Donald Trump. The frustration. Uh, I I think they would gamble and take DeSantis. DeSantis has, to be, DeSantis has to be willing to be that person, though. You know what I mean? Oh, like, not for a desperate person. He doesn't have to. Okay. If he never is a candidate opposite Trump, though, then it's irrelevant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We'll come back. Maybe this is a question we'll ask somebody that knows Ron DeSantis. Uh, this is Daniel Horowitz. He'll join us here in a moment. There's a couple of reasons you want to check out The Order of Rights. It's a pro-life film available right now on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, Vimeo. A couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it takes a very unique approach to the pro-life issue in that it's adjudicated in a court of law from when is a person is a person and what kind of rights does a dad have to save the child before it's uh, before it's killed. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why it won the uh, most inspirational film at the 2019 International Christian Christian Film Festival. The second reason why you want to check it out is it includes a couple of cameos from yours truly. That's right. So uh, I am one of the uh, commentators uh, in the film commentating on the case as it's going on in real time. So I think you'll find this conversation fascinating and how this is adjudicated. They even went and went to some people within Planned Parenthood and say, hey, if this case was before a court, what arguments would you make? And those are incorporated into what you see take place in the film as well. So uh, you can uh, watch the trailer if you want at orderofrightsmovie.com. Or again, you can get it at Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, Vimeo, etc. Orderofrightsmovie.com. Let's welcome in our good friend, Daniel Horowitz, is here with us, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? We got a lot of woe and lamentations apply. 
Well, good. Let me start with a an issue that emer- happened over the weekend. I just have not had the time to address it on the show yet this week. But someone you know well and personally, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, edging out Donald Trump in the Western Conservative Summit straw poll for 2024 last weekend. Now, the way they did their straw poll, I found fascinating. They did it by approval rating, which means members that attended the conference were able to vote for as many candidates to run for the nomination or to run for president, not the nomination, to run for president as they approved of. So it could be one candidate, could be 10. However, which of the, the a list of every conceivable candidate, click everybody that you would like to see run. And Ron DeSantis was on more ballots than anybody else, 75%, just edging out former President Trump, who was at 72%. Your thoughts on that? I think actually this is very market oriented. It speaks to the market of where most of our people are now, which is that they're finally looking for action. They're looking to be extricated from the morass of the Sodom and Gomorrah that we're in. And I think even among a lot of people like Trump, which clearly Trump still was almost tied in that poll, I think what they recognize and see in Ron DeSantis is not just, hey, I think this guy's better. I think he's more conservative. It's that his strengths speak to Trump's weaknesses, even for those that generally liked uh, President Trump. And that is, you know, his weaknesses were basically he never understood the particularities of issues um, and he wouldn't basically bring into the White House people that shared the views of his MAGA supporters. Whereas with DeSantis, that's exactly what you see. He's very focused, very smart on policy, very much understands who's in the right, gets the right people to come down to Florida, um, gets the right doctors on COVID, gets the right researchers. um, And he's very relentlessly on message, always looking to go on offense. But his Twitter, I mean, you look at Ron DeSantis's Twitter it's kind of bland. There's not much going on there. So he's the exact opposite. He has a, a, a very uh, uh, pungent bite, but not much of a bark. And I think people see that we've accomplished more than ever and now wondering, hey, where were Republicans for the last 35 years? Like, we haven't seen this. And on the other hand, he doesn't have that much of a blowback, and he's well positioned to do uh, very well next year in the, in the gubernatorial reelection. So let's have a follow-up conversation about these two men. Let me, let me start it with a proposition for you. True or false, the odds are at least 70% that the 2024 Republican presidential nominee will be either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Oh, Steve, that's tough. The way the world works, God knows. I mean, maybe we'll have like, you know, a triple mutant transgendered versus a double mutant. I mean, who knows what's going to be by then? But I mean, I guess what you're saying is where we live now. I, I, I think just to put more a broader. Uh, right, let me let me drop saying, it. Let me drop it to at least sixty yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I think I think the broader point you're making is that there is no market for Trump down. Okay, mm-hmm. there's no market for that. Uh, it's not like you're going to go back to, hey, Marco is going to give a, you know, a second go at it or, you know, one of these other guys uh, like a Scott Walker type of guy. No, it, it's not headed back in that direction. OK, that, that, that's for sure. Then let's look at these two guys from a, a, what, what I foresee as um, if I were analyzing them or they brought me in to analyze them, 
two air an area I would pick where they said, "Hey, what's my what's standing between me and the nomination in 2024?" Okay, here's let's start with DeSantis. Is he peaking too soon? I mean, it is still just we just had Father's Day 2021, right? Is he peaking too soon? Next year, not next year. I can understand why he's getting his big ticket legislative items and agenda items out of the way now. He's got to run for re-election in an expensive state next year. Okay, but it's a little bit like when when I when when a baseball team is up ten to one in a game, and and they scored all the runs in the first, second, and third innings. Those runs still count. They're on the scoreboard. That's why you're way ahead, right? But I didn't tune in. I didn't tune into the game. I didn't get off work. Started early. I'm now free to watch the game, and it's in the seventh inning, and already all the bench players are in. You're emptying out the bullpen. It's not. I'm not interested. How many people are truly paying attention right now? Is he peaking too early? Your thoughts on that? You know, I'm actually shocked at how many people do recognize him. It was frustrating. A lot of people didn't recognize his work the first year when he went after illegal immigration, but Trump was still present. That has changed. But I think where I disagree with your analogy is I think what you're saying is the traditional paradigm in Republican presidential primaries. That's because there wasn't much substance to any of them. So they don't have many bullets to fire in their in their gun. And, you know, they fire their first ones early. There's nothing more to see. Mm -hmm. I think what he recognizes is that every week he comes out with new stuff every week. He's on offense rather than just responding to Twitter memes or something. He actually has something he wants to get done. So I think were he to get reelected. Um, which which I mean, in a in a good off year for Republicans and the way the state is trending, I mean, he's going to do very well there. I think he'll have an even bigger mandate. But unlike others that just do nothing with it and move to the left after they win reelection, I think he'll move to the right okay. and actually speak to the time unless someone else comes to supplant him. Then let's go to Trump. At some point, this Venn diagram of the ominous adverse effects of these vaccines, that trend line. And Trump's ambitions and re-election, th- these things are going to intersect here at some point. And what I found when on the when I, working for the Cruz campaign and trying to come up with strategy and messaging of how to counter him, God bless him, man, it's really hard to beat somebody who's just utterly shameless, okay? I think that's why he did so well against the media. They, for so many years, were the most shameless people in the room, and he would go beneath them. And, and uh, your mom's fat. I mean, it's just. I mean, my one of my favorite moments in the primary cycle that we weren't winning uh, when I was on the Cruz campaign was the debate where Trump is getting killed on birthright citizenship, and he drops the term anchor baby, and he doesn't really know what it means. He just knows that our people hate him and, and want to do something about it, so he says it, right? And, he's, and he starts getting counter questions from the panel of, of moderators, and he can't answer them. He's flailing. And that was the debate. There was a big, there was a big debate about whether Rand Paul should be let in because he didn't meet the minimum polling threshold. So they put him in the debate, and he's at the very end of the stage, okay? And so in the middle of this, while Trump is just getting pummeled from the moderators, and he can't really defend his position on banning anchor babies in the middle of it, he just blurts out and what the hell is Rand Paul doing here he's pulling less than one percent he's not even supposed to be here tonight I was sitting in the cruise room strategy I laughed out loud I, I mean I just I couldn't control myself I just it was it, I just laughed it was it was just a reflex I can't see him gaslighting though on these vaccines this is what he he views himself this is like his singular achievement as a president like he's the Winston Churchill of the 21st century. He saved the West from 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 COVID, from China. And so if these adverse effects continue to mount and continue to be chronicled, 
I, I, can you foresee a moment where Trump, you know, um, excuses himself from that mantle as opposed to give me credit for saving all of your lives? I, I foresee that as a potential issue for him. Am I wrong about that? What do you think? Or do you think he can so, just do with this what he's done with a lot of things, which is, you know, I listened to them. They lied to me. I shouldn't have given the money. I mean, I, Moderna, we were panicking and you know, blame it on Fauci. And people are like, you're right, blame Fauci because that's worked for him in the past. Or is this is he going to hold the line here and say, no, I want affirmation for these vaccines while his base is going. We're never letting you inject those things into us. What do you think? So obviously we got to see where this heads because this is looking like it's headed to a very dark place. And I think the narrative that's going to come out is that they were too rushed and experimental. And that's actually going to really reflect back on him, which, by the way, I have no problem with rushing something as long as you market it in the right way and you fully disclose the information about it. But what I will say strategically, I think that's going to depend on Trump's behavior on other issues. I don't he no longer has control of the vaccine narrative. That die is cast. But I think the peril that he's in now politically is he has done he has done nothing to reinvent the wheel in the last few months. He's been awfully quiet. Now, maybe he's going to have a breakout moment when he comes up with this new platform, but he's been very quiet, and he's just working off the fumes of his reputation with conservatives over the last five years. And as people see him quiet or just not really in the fights, and other people like DeSantis in the fights, I, I, I think his appeal is going to wane over time. So what he would have to do is really start owning an issue, somehow owning the border. Like he owned you know, immigration and it took him from novelty candidate to yeah, a force he's of nature. own another issue. If it's mm-hmm. just bland and then he has that liability, that's going to be a problem. For example, I think if I were advising him, I would say, hey, here's a list of 30 endorsements to make. Go make them, hold rallies for them, and then take credit. Um, for remaking the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. I think that could drown out the vaccine discussion. Mm. Final thing I want to ask you about. Am I wrong to feel a little optimism that the spirit of defiance that is long overdue seems to, a pocket here, Houston hospital workers flip the bird and say, hey, we're not... Uh, taking your injections. You know, all these school board meeting videos we're seeing all over the country now. Um, The aforementioned DeSantis, for example... Am, am I wrong that we're we're starting to slowly but surely, you know, it's it, it's it, the question's always been: Are we going to awaken, or are they going to are they going to kill us with woke? Are we waking up here a little bit, Steve? You know, for all the accusations that I'm all negative, woe and lamentation, part of why I'm like that is because I see that optimism and I feel the sense of urgency to harness the opportunity God is giving us. And most of my career, I've been happier when Democrats were president because our people actually get righteous then. And you're seeing that. I I was expressing this concern to a friend that I said, wait a minute, you know, Democrats are exponentially more radical than they were in 2009. And yet by April, we already had the Tea Party movement. Where's the movement? And then shortly after that, we saw this movement at school board meetings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where it's at. Um, I, I just put this out on Twitter, and I think this is where we're at now. If you gave me the choice between DeSantis being president of an unreformed Republican Party in Washington and then down in the states versus a Democrat being president now and in the future, but a Ron DeSantis pushed into the position by grassroots 
from school board to county commissioner to state legislator and governor and attorney general in every red state, I would take the latter a hundred times over because that would actually be a foolproof solution as opposed to just being president of the same morass with the same irremediably broken agencies that are going to do what they want anyway. Um, that is where it's at and go local, make red states red again, make state legislatures great again, school boards. This is where it's at. Um, our people are actually focused hmm. and I think that's the biggest thing to celebrate. There you go. When the woe and lamentation says, I'm a little optimistic, <laughs> that's a good sign. Good to see you, brother. Take care. All right. Amen. Hey, uh, let me tell you really quick about Rough Greens. It's the supplement for your dog because we need supplements for the masters and the owners of those puppies too uh, because they strip a lot of our foods that we buy at stores of all those uh, micronutrients and pre and probiotics and vitamins and minerals because they want it to have a long shelf life for mass distribution. They do the same thing with the pet's food too. So just like we are taking so many supplements these days, your puppy could use one. And that's what Rough Greens is. It's the powder you sprinkle in and mix in with the food that your pet already loves. But maybe you're thinking, I don't know if my pet, if my puppy will take to it, will like it. Here's how to find out. We give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag. We give it to you for free. You just pay for the shipping, but the bag is on us when you go to Rough Greens dot com r-u-f-f for roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833 rough dog again the bag is on us you just pay for the shipping at 833 rough dog thoughts on the conversation we just had with daniel uh he brings up a great point at the end i'm with him on the choice uh i would make there's an irony in all this and that both with ted cruz and ron desantis at the very time we're getting the kind of candidates we often hope for for many, many years as conservatives, uh, it took too long and too much damage was uh, done for that position to do that which we hoped. Again, subsidiarity, well, uh, uh, A, subsidiary, and, and B, the shamelessness, we talked about it with Trump, the shamelessness of the left. Oh. And subsidiarity for people to know, the government that governs closest to the people tends to govern best. Is that, is that a good way of defining that? Uh, yes, but uh, every, every level has its appropriate role. And mm -hmm. like smaller government isn't better for running a military that can protect a nation like ours. We actually That needs to happen at the, the federal level. So it, it, it has to do with the, the appropriate level of government for the particular uh, need. Um, but listen, we, we have, we're so broken uh, at the local level that no matter how good a president is, unless we the people, the answer is us, take our country back, those guys can only do so much. Yeah, and just hearkening back to the LBJ quote that you had earlier, Steve, power is where power goes. What mm -hmm. have you also said so many times over the last few months? Move where the food is. Well, move where the power is. What? What? There is no moving where the power is because it's right there in the mirror. And you see that, and people are waking up, hopefully, to that notion. And just to reiterate what that dude in New Jersey, who ironically had a British accent as we approach Independence Day, just laying it on his school board. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be afraid. You can be bold and courageous. And that's what we're seeing more and more often. And that's a very good thing. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. 
This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.